0: You're listening to audio from Grove Park Baptist Church. For more information and resources, please visit our website at www.groveparkchurch.net. I invite you to take your copy of God's Word and turn to the gospel as recorded by John chapter number 19. John 19, beginning in verse 25. to his own home. May God add a blessing to the reading of his word. You may be seated. Remain seated. Let's pray. God, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, for your word. Lord, as I have reflected on these texts as we have walked through Your Son's path to Calvary, it occurs to me again and again that this is a story that no one could ever make up. It's a story so brimming with love and compassion and selflessness that no one could make it up. And so, Lord, as we come to it again tonight, I pray that it would just jump off the page into our hearts, that we may hear afresh what you're saying to us, and that it would change us, and it would make us see... Calvary, and Jesus, and you in an even clearer light. Lord, give me the words for those that are gathered here as we make our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Compassion is a term that we see repeatedly in the scriptures and particularly in the New Testament. Indeed, there are six different words in the Greek that are translated or can be translated into English as compassion. Their usage varies widely. We see it used in Matthew 5-7 in Jesus' Sermon on the Mount where he says blessed are the merciful for they shall receive mercy mercy being a synonym then for compassion we see it in Matthew 9:36 where Jesus is moved with compassion when he sees the crowds because they are like sheep without a shepherd and we see it similarly in Luke 15:20 where the father is looking far off and he sees the son coming, the prodigal son. And he is moved with compassion as he runs to his son. We see it in Hebrews 4.15, where we are told that we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses sympathize again a synonym for compassion that's a lot of different ways to use compassion how can we come to a a narrow definition how can we combine all of those definitions into one I think if we think of compassion this way that compassion is bringing grace to a need before it's ever understood as a need. We'll understand compassion. We'll be able to, to group all of those varied forms together. Now let us understand something. To see something as a need before it's understood by anyone else to be a need requires a few things it requires you and i to be keenly aware of what is going on around us we have to be uh, so aware that that our resolve cannot be focused on us but focused on others So here's a question. How self-focused are you? Are you so self-focused that you don't understand what is going on and can pick up small subtleties around from other folks so that you are aware of their discomfort, that you are aware of how they are dealing with the particular matter? Or are you just focused on what your hurt is, your pain is? Who cares what anyone else is going through? It's all about me. Certainly, we do not see Jesus exemplifying this in the text this evening. Although, wouldn't we give him a pass? Wouldn't we? He's hanging on a cross. His lungs are slowly settling into his chest cavity and he is slowly asphyxiating. Every time he he takes a, a breath it's difficult. Every time he tries to push himself up somehow through his nail-pierced feet the the Nails in his hands tear a little bit more. Let us not forget that he is hanging on a cross, a tree, not some nice tree that you may, a piece of lumber that you may find at at Home Depot or, or Lowe's. They've just cut it down and they've got him hanging up there. And every time he pushes himself up, that lacerated, mangled back of his That the Romans have beaten. Gets torn again. Oh. We could give Jesus. A pass. But he's not self focused. He's not thinking. Of himself. If you look to the text again. You you see there's a group there but standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he sees this group and suddenly he's not thinking about himself. He's thinking about them. He's thinking about these women who have followed him. He's thinking about this disciple that he dearly loved. He is thinking about his mother. You and I may say, well, of course she's filled with sorrow. Of course she's filled with anguish at this death of her son. But but I, I believe Jesus sees something beyond the emotion of the moment. He sees something in her, an inner longing that she is going to need something else down the road, something that he has taken care of. Let us remember that Jesus is Mary's oldest boy. He's the one that's supposed to take care of her now that Joseph has gone to his reward. And now he's not going to be able to fulfill his task. Oh, we may say that, well, he has other brothers. But maybe he knew his brothers wouldn't tend to her too well. You know, siblings seem to know each other quite well. And they know which ones you can trust and which ones you can't. And he says, I can't entrust mother. Oh, don't say Mary. I can't entrust mother. To those brothers of mine, and he might say, "Yes, yes, yes, dear auntie is here, but but I, I can't put that off on her. It's my mother, and I want to look after her." And so he says to John, the one whom he loved, in the Mark translation. John, will you do me a favor? John, will you do me a favor and look after mother? Will you take care of her? Will you love her like I do? Will you meet her every need? John, will you, will you watch over her as I would? Behold your son. Or maybe we're focusing on this all wrong. Maybe Mary's not the focus. What if the focus is John? What if Jesus is concerned not about Mary, but his best friend John? What if for a moment he knows what John is going to go through... John here is a a young man. Probably somewhere in the neighborhood of about 20 to 25. We don't know anything about John's home life except that he was a son of Zebedee. So we don't even know if John's mother is still here. Maybe John needs a little motherly attention. Maybe John's mother isn't as good as Mary maybe she's focused on all the wrong things maybe Jesus shows compassion here because he knows that he's leaving and he needs someone to watch after John and so he's Behold your mother. I don't think it's a coincidence, beloved, that we see in a gospel and we see in John's epistles love so exemplified. Not simply, I think, because of what Jesus meant to John, but because I think also that as John hung out with Mary in the years to come, he saw the one whom Mary, whom excuse me, whom Jesus first learned what unconditional love was from. His mother, who had endured so much and sacrificed so much, been so ridiculed. Because of her firstborn. What a beautiful portrait of grace. That Jesus meets these needs that they're not even aware that they have, maybe at this moment. Not thinking about himself, just showing compassion. But there's another picture here. Let's not miss it. As we have seen so often in these portraits of grace, there's a different perspective that we can take. We can see someone else maybe. We can see it from a different angle. And so let us not miss the fact that, yes, there's a crowd, and yes, this crowd is close friends, and this crowd is relatives, and yes, they're at the foot of the cross, but let us not miss what they are looking at. They are looking at Jesus. They see him on the cross fulfilling what he had told the disciples the night before. This is my body. This is my blood. This is the institution of the new covenant. Right here. And in this portrait, we see that compassion again. We see that compassion again because Jesus, in instituting his table looks after us because he knows that we'll need a reminder. We'll need a reminder from time to time. We'll need a reminder that yes, he bore our hurts and our pains on his body. That he's not on that cross for nothing. He's, he's there so that my deepest sorrow has already been vanquished. My deepest hurt has already been overcome. He takes it upon himself, this man of sorrows, much acquainted with grief, so that I don't have to. He gives us this image of bread and then of wine because every now and then you and I forget a couple of things I think we forget that we are forgiven we forget that we are forgiven I don't know about you but sometimes those little voices pop up into my head and say really you think God forgive you of that? What kind of Christian are you? But here in the cup, we see yes, my forgiveness has already been purchased. And we also see that there is still. A great need for me to acknowledge my need of forgiveness. To tap into that limitless supply of grace. To be healed. And so He gives us bread. And wine. And he says, Remember. You know, this morning I was teaching the Bridge Builders Bible study, and we were talking about communion. And I told them that I really can't understand why we take communion the way we do. You ever thought about it? We are celebrating infinite grace, right? We can't get grace at the table. We don't Hold to that teaching but we are celebrating infinite grace limitless grace and how do we baptists particularly do it we come and we get tiny little wafers and we drink out of tiny little cups and we say this is limitless It doesn't make a lot of sense to me, to be perfectly honest. It doesn't seem like a a great, grand celebration. I told them, and they told me, that I needed to make sure I explained this to you all tonight so that if they did it, they wouldn't be looked at crazy. That I want to encourage you tonight as you come to table to recognize great grace. We have lots of bread up here. You're going to get to take it. Don't take a little piece, take you a piece. You know, a piece. And we have juice. I know I said wine earlier. Don't want to freak y'all out. We got plenty. And if we run out, I've got some more in my office. You can take two cups. Why? Because this is a picture of grace. And I need a lot of it. I don't know about you, but I need to be reminded all the time that I've been given a lot of it and I need to be reminded all the time that I need a lot of it. And I also need to be reminded every now and then, more often than I probably realize, that I need to show a lot more grace as well. It's almost like Long ago, when he instituted the table, the Lord Christ echoed down through the ages of time to you and to me, do me a favor. Remember the great gift of grace. The compassion of grace. The willingness of grace, the acceptance of grace, the invasion of grace, the disruption of grace, the silence of grace, the never-ending...